Hello and welcome to the You're an Asset podcast. I'm your host, Casey the Dollar, and on this podcast, we find out who's an asset in the financial industry and who's just an ass. On this week's episode, we have a very special guest, but like always, I am not just bringing this person on as an asset. I will let you guys, the listeners, decide after the show. I believe that he's an asset. Um, You might have seen him before on my TikTok or Instagram channel. And without further ado, the man sitting next to me is Mr. Mike, your retirement planner. Hey, Mike. Hey, Casey. How's Thanks it for going? Me. Of course. Great. This is really good. I'm looking forward to having you on the show today. We have a lot of things that we're going to talk about. I've been anxiously waiting, actually, to talk about this. Today, we're going to cover Dave Ramsey and my man, Dave, who we're we're not big enough yet to invite Dave or to think that he would ever show up um, on the podcast. You think we're big enough? We're big enough. Um, I think we have 32 subscribers on on Spotify or YouTube or something like that. We got a total of probably 500,000 on social media. True, it's combined, combined. Like we're getting pretty big. Yeah, we're, we're huge. We're, we're huge. <laughs> we're going to cover Dave and his buy term, invest the rest or invest the difference uh, strategy. And we're also going to find out a little bit about uh, a bank finance strategy. We'll go ahead and start off with, I mean, Dave Ramsey is huge in encouraging people to buy term insurance. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with how we think about term. I personally think a term is great if it has living benefits, right? Which are critical chronic and terminal illness riders that come with your policy. But if it doesn't have living benefits and it's not convertible into a permanent policy like the IUL, then I don't think term is that great. I would never offer a term policy without convertibility or living benefits to my clients. Um, And I think a lot of times it's a good strategy to offer it on top of an IUL supplement coverage. But Again, only if it has those two features. What about you? I wouldn't 100% agree with that. I think term strategies in the past have not included living benefits. Yeah. And so having the ability to access that death benefit in the event of a critical illness, chronic illness, terminal illness, as well as critical injury, you know, coma paralysis, traumatic brain injury, as well as severe burns. What was that thing you said? What thing? What What was the first illness you said? Corona homo? Did I say corona homo? <laughs> How do you not say corona homo? <laughs> what was I said traumatic brain injury, coma. Oh, coma. Wow. Okay. Oh, my. Sorry. <laughs> English is hard. Yeah, yeah English is hard. Because got you. A coma. God, yes. No, that would be a critical illness. But so they, they started incorporating living benefits probably back in the early 2000s. And okay. so a lot of these insurance carriers started to switch over to allow even term life insurance policies to then have what they call accelerated benefit riders or ABRs. Yeah. One of the biggest term companies out there that have been offering just term coverage and they claim to be the cheapest is a company called, can I, can I say companies? Yeah. Oh, a company called Primerica Financial Services. Yeah, we're not involved with them. Or PFS. I'll hold out. And so they've been claiming that they're the cheapest term coverage. They don't even have living benefits on them. And they're actually not the cheapest at all because they are a, um, they're an insurance provider. Their costs are outrageous. I don't know if you've ever looked at a Primerica 
term policy before. I haven't. What's funny is I literally just called out Primerica on TikTok. Literally oh, really? earlier today. <laughs> literally earlier today because a life insurance agent from Primerica got on my page when I was talking about living benefits with policies and said that there is no such thing as living benefits with life insurance. That's just um, complete BS. Right? I told her, I was like, you work for Primerica. Like, what are you doing? And she was like, and I love it here. It's like, wow, at least you admit it. At least she admitted it and didn't try to hide. Yeah. Some people have that level of confidence, but it's an ignorant level of confidence, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but however, just kind of sewing it back in, when Primarica was initially initiated back in the day, Dave Ramsey was actually part of that movement, right? So it actually made sense where he was sending a lot of his clients to go buy term policies from Primarica and then invest the rest into a mutual fund and their AUM is kind of high. Yeah. They're kind of high. So he was making good money on obviously selling term policies for more expensive than clients should be paying for, uh, not having convertibility, not having living benefits. It's just bad. And then invest the rest into a mutual fund where you could lose your entire principal. Mm -hmm. There's no protection mm -hmm. and it's tax deferred and you're not getting any tax advantages from that. Yeah. What do you think is wrong other than other than Primerica mutual funds, the risk of the stock market, other things that are wrong with the buy term invests to the rest strategy for, for the public? When we're talking about the traditional means of buying term and investing the rest into a what they usually use is mutual funds back in the day. That was the whole BTID concept yeah. was to utilize mutual funds, which again goes with Primerica's mission statement uh, because they don't make money on index funds. They don't make money on ETFs. Yeah. Right? They only make money on mutual funds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And those have high costs, very high costs. Yeah. The issue about investing the rest is that you need that level of consistency, mm -hmm. commitment, and no attachment and emotions because when the market is down, do you think the average person, the average, not a average stock trader, the average investor, no, just the average person, yeah. they're not going to consistently invest their money into a dying market. So you look back in 2001, 2002, you look back in 2007, 2008, do you think people were actually investing in the market where they were trying to pull out their funds? They were pulling their money. They're pulling out their money. So we we made a joke in the insurance industry. We say, yeah, it's called buy term invest the difference. But in reality, it's buy term and ingest the difference. No, oh, geez. Because they were just taking that extra money like, oh, you know what? Let me go buy a car because you know I'd rather do that. I have my term life insurance already set up. Yeah. So they weren't actually investing the difference. Now, the actual traders that were doing the strategy and they were consistent and they took away the emotions and they said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to continue to dollar cost average over and over and over again and see my portfolio rise. They did relatively well. Yeah. Just from barely understanding what he's trying to persuade people to do with buy term and invest the difference. The, the first problem I see is that people don't actually invest. No, they don't. Term policies are all great because of their low cost and high coverage until you run out of the coverage and you don't have it anymore and you realize that now you're 60 and you have nothing and insurance is insane, insanely expensive. Exactly. The average person doesn't understand investing. They're scared of the market. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to invest in. Mm -hmm. um, and like you mentioned, 2008, a lot of people have had a bad experience. And so they don't they don't want to go back into the market. And so they just, uh, like you said, they ingest their money. They, they spend it all and there's nothing left outside of, <laughs> outside of that $15 that's going to the term policy anyway. Right. And like you mentioned, once that term period is over, sometimes it's a 10-year term, 20-year term, 30-year term is what they usually push the most because yeah. that's when you're around that 65 and the constant is, oh my gosh, I have this 
huge portfolio that's going to take care of all my retirement as well as my potential long-term care situation. Mm -hmm. And then surely, oh my gosh, I have no more coverage. And this long-term care situation that may cost me upwards of $8,000 to $10,000 a month yeah. for semi-private long-term care assistance. Where's your retirement income, brother? Where is it? It's gone. It's gone because the stock market wiped it away. Yeah. And also, you don't have the term coverage anymore. You don't have the term coverage Which, in Dave's opinion, when he's, again, pushing a lot of Primerica, because he's he's he sends a lot of his clients who are looking for term to Primerica. And what did that Primerica agent say? There's no such thing as a living. There's no such thing as living benefits or selling benefit for riders. Yeah. Which is not true. Yeah. There are probably... 50 companies-ish around there, at least 50 that offer a set of benefit riders within their policies, mm-hmm. especially within their term policies. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I like term, right? I do like term mm-hmm. to uh, provide that low coverage for the event that someone needs that coverage because they just bought a house. They are looking for um, key person planning, yeah. right? Uh, they just started a family and they want to make sure that they cover their finances in the event of a premature loss. Yeah. Because, you know, they have a kid now. Yeah. Right. And they're the primary breadwinner. Maybe they can't afford a huge, huge policy within a permanent cash value life insurance policy. So they get a term and, you know, they can supplement that. Yeah. So there is a place for term. Absolutely. You do offer term products to you, to your clients. Absolutely. But there is a right way and a wrong way Always. to do it. Of course. of course. Do you have any idea how much a, a 30 year term policy with Primerica costs that you see one of these? I can't I can't even quote. No. No, but I know it's higher. I know it's it's a lot. And when you say higher, I mean we're talking a million dollars, it's like fifty, a hundred dollars a month, and there's no other benefit. I think if I could put like a percentage to it, it's probably gonna be upwards of maybe fifteen to twenty five percent difference, which is higher than pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just got one of my clients into a million dollar term policy for twenty six dollars a month with full living benefits. How old? Uh he's thirty seven. Thirty seven? Thirty seven. I think I got a forty two year old million dollar policy female. I think it was like twenty five bucks yeah. for a twenty year term. And yeah, and I bet, and was it a company that has like the best living benefits in the industry? In my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, okay. <laughs> as far as your clients go, do you talk to them about investing? Like if, say you're going to, you're going to offer a client only term. That's all they want. That's all they can afford. Right. How do you approach what else they should be doing with their money? Like, are you talking to people about other investment options? Like, are people saying they they are investing? Do they know what to invest in? Do they feel confident in their choices as far as the investing goes? What's your experience? In my experience, with the current volatility in today's economy and market, mm-hmm. a lot of people are shy to invest. Yeah. Um, they don't know what to invest in. They, they see a lot of um, TikTok gurus. That are like, oh, you know, we take a hundred bucks and we made a hundred thousand dollars, and you do it this way by trading penny stocks. And of course, penny stocks, if you guys watch the Wolf of Wall Street, you understand you can make a lot of money, but then you can also lose everything that you invested, right? That companies can shut down um, and there goes your money. Yeah. Um, I talk to them about risk tolerance. Yeah. Right. Is what I generally talk to my clients about. Where are they currently at when it comes down to how much risk do they want to put out? Are they okay with, you know, putting in a hundred dollars and, you know, potentially making a hundred percent rate of return on a product that, that has high risk. Mm-hmm. High returns means high risk. Yeah. Low returns means low risk. 
So once I identify their risk tolerance, mm-hmm. then I can start suggesting, hey, you know, well, if you have literally no, like you don't want any risk at all, like none at all, you can put into your bank savings. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. right. Do you invest your own money? Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't mind, in what? I still diversify my money, right? And even as a insurance professional, I still trade in the stock market, awesome. right? I still have cryptocurrencies. Okay. I've never gone into NFTs. I just okay. can't wrap my head around NFTs. They're probably going to call me a boomer because <laughs> I just simply don't understand. Um, but I like to invest in things that I actually understand. Okay. Um, so I have crypto. I have major market indexes. Like I have an S&P. I have um, a Fidelity account. Nice. Um, I have a Vanguard account. Okay. And then, however, I have a good amount of my money that I have invested for myself is in insurance plans. Of course. Naturally, if you didn't, we would have a problem with you being a hypocrite, right? Like <laughs> we would have a problem. Um, I, I also invest in the, in the stock market. Of course, I have a TD Ameritrade account that I have. I have individual stocks mm-hmm. that I invested in. I did crypto for a bit. I, I could have made a lot of money on Dogecoin, <laughs> but I I missed it. Mm-hmm. I missed. I didn't pull the money out um, at the right time, and then it, it tanked again. Ah, uh, I see. Um, unfortunately, so then I was like, "Screw crypto! I don't like it." <laughs> um, but even the stock market, as like a, I like to say, as like a regular ass person, I got into the stock market because that was what you're seeing online from everyone. You got to invest in the stock market. That's how you make money. And so I, I put a good amount of money into the stock market. Oh, no. no buying this stock and that stock. And I'll be honest, like I lost a lot of money and it sucked. I mean, I was doing my best to learn what I should do. I was young. I mean, this was, this was four or five years ago now that I lost money. So I'm a lot more careful now. I, I try to use my my resources. But then also, of course, I have I have my money in insurance. Yeah. <laughs> because insurance was actually, the insurance we talked about, the IUL, was created to what? replace by terminus difference yes exactly yeah so let's talk about let's talk about that idea okay just a little bit like is that why dave ramsey hates it is because the iul is trying to like just push term out of the way and so he had to become this big spokesperson so that his pockets didn't stop being lined that that could be very well a reason absolutely right because basically all he wants to do is he wants to put less money towards insurance companies mm-hmm. and he wants to take more money as a financial advisory company Right, because financial advisory companies are not um, uh, the mutual fund companies are not insurance companies. Yeah, and also on a mutual fund, the assets under management, the expense fees, they, they actually make more money doing mutual funds than that of a agent selling an IUL in the long run. In the long run, yeah, yeah. And so Dave Ramsey talks about in that in, in one of his videos. He said, oh, my gosh, you know, like the expense, the the cost of insurance is so outrageous within one of these garbage policies because, you know, the agent's getting such a high commission. Well, Mr. Dave Ramsey, you actually make more money on a mutual fund with without providing market protection for your clients, without providing tax advantages for your clients. Who's really winning here? Yeah, who's really winning? We do have a video um, that, that we were going to go through of Dave Ramsey and his little co-host guy and the first thing in that video is them saying and the commissions and fees these guys are making selling this crap is insane iuls are crap because the insurance agent makes huge commissions Mm -hmm. i will just say right now i mean if you're 
insurance agent um, is not setting up your policy correctly, yes, they are going to make a huge commission off you because they're they're scamming you. <laughs> they're they're setting your policy up in a way that they're gonna get a huge commission. It's right. possible. It's not that it's a flat out lie. A lot of people have been screwed over agents taking a huge commission. However, when the policy is designed correctly, a insurance policy should have a a very low underlying cost of insurance mm-hmm. because the client ends up getting a lot of flexibility as far as how much money they contribute to their policy, resulting in the agent getting the smallest commission possible based on that sale, I guess. Right. Absolutely. The insurance industry is is a very large, lucrative industry. Mm -hmm. It's a very large and lucrative industry. And unfortunately, the insurance companies are not in charge of quality assurance. They're not. No, no. It's the insurance agent's responsibility to provide their client the best strategy possible. It all comes down to the agent. It all boils down to the agent. So, I mean, just look at real estate, for example, right? There's a lot of realtors out there who don't know what they're doing. There's a lot of realtors out there that don't know what they're doing. And that's why you see a lot of uh, uh, FISBOs or for sale by owners. Uh, They they hate real estate agents because maybe they got screwed over once with one of the listings. Uh, They didn't negotiate a good offer for the buyer. It could be a mixed bag of reasons. Unfortunately, that same thing translates over to insurance as well. Insurance being a very, very large, lucrative industry actually is one of the backbone industries of America. Insurance is huge. Insurance is approximately three times larger than real estate, right? In actual dollars. Yeah. And that is huge. It's huge. Right. So now imagine you have all these individuals, unfortunately, who join this industry and they think they're just here to make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Like our friends at Primary. <laughs> All they do is focus on recruiting and they claim, oh, you want to make it easy? 10 grand a month. Come work with me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then and then they focus so much on recruiting that they water down the product knowledge. Right? And there's the problem about quality assurance yeah. uh, and, and not just Primerica, but other companies that, yes, even that offer the IULs. Yeah. And of there's, course. there's thousands, there's thousands of financial independent marketing organizations out there. And Unfortunately, when they put recruiting at the the forefront, there again goes the quality assurance. And that quality assurance may mean that you're getting screwed over by your agent. That may mean that your agent's getting a larger commission dollar than what they should be getting. How can how can someone make sure that their agent isn't screwing them and just getting a big commission? Is there any advice yeah. that you have for Absolutely. Us? Yeah, just contact us first. Just contact Power <laughs> Financial or M M&M Associates. Exactly. Uh, no, but in actuality, you want to make sure you're asking your agent the right questions. Uh, what is the minimum death benefit that I can get with this premium? Right. What is the minimum premium I could put into this? Um, what is the maximum premium I could put in for a million dollar policy? Because some people, they, they, I have clients that are putting away fifty thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. into an IUL. Yeah. And you know, if we were to want to make a really fat commission check oh, man. right it would be really nice oh man but we want to go with the minimum death benefit so they can maximize the tax advantages maximize the link to this major market indexes and those tax advantages if the max was six hundred thousand, in this case the minimum on this policy is somewhere probably around correct me if i'm wrong but just based on my knowledge and experience it's probably around eighty thousand a year yeah. am i a hundred thousand i right on yeah. that yeah um which means 
they have a huge amount of flexibility as far as their contributions to their policy goes. Mm. And right, I mean, yeah. they have from that eighty thousand to six hundred thousand that they could fund. They don't have to fund the six hundred grant, but you could have done wrong by them and said, no, 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 you want to pay six hundred thousand? That's your minimum, mm-hmm. my friend. And made a huge commission off huge. this person. And then what they were going to see in their overall cash value growth was Min- nothing. Minimum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This investing policy inside of my whole life. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. I'm going to become a millionaire. Okay. Come on, make millions. <laughs> so, so. Who's making millions? Okay. So what he's saying is that he's saying that the client is going to make millions of dollars by being oh, a policy yeah, right. holder. No, 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 no. You can don't you don't make millions of dollars of insurance. Any any agent that says, Hey, this policy is gonna make you extremely wealthy beyond your dreams, please run away. Please run away and contact us instead. Uh, because you, you're not going to, right? You're you're absolutely not gonna have those huge rates of return like blue chip stocks or um, doing option trading. In, unless you're contributing millions of dollars and you count the transfer of wealth. That death benefit being if you put in a million dollars, you're going to also pass down a million. You might have earned a million if it's been 20 years of growing the policy. But that's like a perfect recipe with a perfectly set up policy, access to large sums of money and time. And time is the big thing, right? When we're talking about these financial products, these financial vehicles, it's about compound interest. Yeah, It's not about having the highest rates of return every single year. Yeah. No, it's it's steady growth. Yeah. Right. What's that, you know, can't do service before? If you want to say that like you're saving a bunch of money on taxes and including that inside your you're gonna make millions of dollars, you're gonna save a ton of money by using cash value life insurance because you're not gonna have to pay ordinary income tax on the income, which that's a whole other topic. That is a whole other topic. We can I guess say that for another time. We can save it for another time. Let's see, what else did Dave say? The insurance portion goes up every year. It's basically what we call an ART, an annual renewable term. All life insurance gets more expensive every year. And so if you keep the stupid thing long enough, it will begin to be the point that the premium you're paying will not even cover the insurance cost. And so it starts to eat back into your savings just to keep the policy alive. Now you've got a real piece of crap that's that's eating itself from the inside out. But the cost of insurance within these plants do increase over time. Mm -hmm. However... The interest crediting that you built up all those years of compound interest yeah. is is outweighing significantly the cost of insurance at that point in time. You also have a death benefit that you will be able to access when you know you need living benefits, so benefit riders, or in the event of death benefit wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. Term policies, and, and I, I do like term, but term policies, I, I read a statistic somewhere saying that only 2% of all term life insurance policies actually get paid out. I've seen statistics that it's even more like one. So we can go to one, yeah, right? Wild. When you buy term, it's not a guarantee that you're going to utilize the term during that time that you well, have no. the, the, the policy. So it's very likely that you're probably not going to need the policy until when? Until you're older. Yeah. Until you're older. And then all of a sudden, now you're looking at looking at new term policies that's going to be significantly way more expensive than the cost of insurance within one of these plants, the IULs, yeah. significantly. Because now insurance companies are like, holy crap, this person's 60 years old. They're probably going to die in the next 20 years. Yeah. And so now they're 
rearranging the cost of insurance based on a 60-year-old mm -hmm. that's going to have maybe diabetes, that has chronic illnesses, that has uh, bad heart conditions, mm -hmm. that has hypertension, that has high blood pressure, mm -hmm. your cost is going to be out the roof. And then all of a sudden, that buy turn, that's the difference, that investment that you created, you're going to have to start pulling from that to pay for long-term care. And you may not be able to qualify for all the government aid with Medicare, Medicaid, uh, because you have too much money, too much net worth. Yeah. And there goes your ability to get government funding for your disabilities, your chronic illness, your long-term care. And they actually make you drain all of your assets before they get any benefits, Correct. any government benefits. It's the saddest thing I've ever learned being in this industry. Yeah, it's it pretty sad. It's, it's really sad. They make you drain everything. Right. And it's not even just like me as an individual, like if I am sick and that the government's going to make me drain my assets. If we're a bubble right. mm -hmm. and I am sick, you have to drain your assets too. Correct. And my assets until we get any benefits. So what happens when this is the situation? What happens if you had a term policy that expired, right? And now you're 65 years old in need of long-term care. We both saved maybe a million dollars in our mutual funds, let's just say. <laughs> so we have $2 million each. Mm -hmm. Then now you're in a long-term care situation where, hey, you know, like, well, no longer can you work because you're, you're sick. Yeah. God forbid, mm -hmm. because I don't want you to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want you to live a long, healthy life, Casey. Um, but now all the money that we saved up mm -hmm. is now going to the purpose of long-term care. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you're draining your account. Mm -hmm. I'm draining my account. What's left for our retirement? Nothing. 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 <laughs> <laughs> One more time. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And this is real. This, this is, is real. Real what people are experiencing right now. So then some people would argue, oh my gosh, you know, let me just get long-term care insurance. Long-term care insurance? Long-term care insurance. Okay. It, it's just like any sort of other type of insurance policy, like car insurance, home insurance, right? Yeah. Are you guaranteed to have your home catch on fire? No. No. Are you guaranteed to get into a car accident and need car insurance? No. Okay. Long-term care is the same exact thing. Yeah. So what happens if your home doesn't catch on fire? Do you get all your insurance premiums? No. No. What happens if you um, get into a, don't get into a car accident? Nothing. You, you don't get any money back. You don't get any money you back. You keep paying for the insurance. Right. So that long-term care insurance is made available usually for those that are in the older ages. And it usually costs upwards of maybe $1,200 a month. Holy. $1,200 a month. Now imagine the average individual in retirement has approximately $250,000 in a 401k, according to mm -hmm. Vanguard. Yeah. Um, and that is actually a higher number. I yeah. think it's actually 220 or 200. So imagine that you have an account that has 200,000. You're doing a 4% draw. That means you're taking out $8,000 a year pre-tax. Pre-tax. And, and then you have Social Security that might be giving you around $2,000 a maybe month. Maybe if you're lucky. Right. So maybe you're getting around $2,000 to $3,000 a month total. And there's a lot of people that just depend on Social Security mm -hmm. because they did not properly plan. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, hey, I have no more term life insurance. I have no whole life protection. I have no permanent cash value. I need long-term care. I want long-term care insurance because I've seen what that's done to my family. I've seen that's what's that done to my my friends who are the same age. They're now broke. So I want to get long-term care insurance. That's going to cost me $1,200 a month. It's a trap. Which is huge, right? Yeah. And so now you're like, oh my gosh, I only have limited income left. And you're praying. At the same time, you're like praying I hope I get into a long-term care situation where I now I have coverage. Yeah, you're basically saying 
I've got to buy this because I'm going to end up in a nursing home. Yes. And I don't want the money to do anything else for me other than prepare for that. Yes. And so you're praying that that happens because that's what you've been paying into. But at the same time, you're like, I'm praying for me to be sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You're oh, I got to make use of this policy. I got to make use of this policy. <laughs> Let me start smoking a bunch of cigarettes. Oh, but it, so instead, you could just put the $1,200 into a cash value life insurance policy, not have to use the money inside the policy for long-term care, mm-hmm. and use it to get yourself an income that's also avoiding taxes at the same time because yeah. it's a genuine life insurance policy that has tax advantage. So what does that mean for you have this amazing cash value life insurance policy, let's say within the IUL, mm-hmm. you have a great accumulated value, you're, you're able to d- take distributions, and now you find yourself in a long-term care situation. What does that affect Medicare Medicaid? It doesn't. It does not. It doesn't. You don't have to drain your Medicare, you don't have to drain your portfolio to start getting government aid. I mean, the, the only the only thing I can think that it goes back to what you said at the beginning. The only reason Dave doesn't want people to do this with their money is because it's making him money. And he has this platform. And so if he sways away from it at this point, he looks like a fraud. He looks like a fraud. That's the only thing that has to be stopping him from changing his mind. And at this point, he's just delusional. There's one last part of this uh, this nice this nice video over here. Oh, here, by the way, after you paid extra on this all these years and you die, they only pay the face value. They don't pay the face value plus your savings that you've been paying extra to build. So it's like a savings account with a crummy rate of return they get locked that up. when you die, they keep your money. Where does he come up with this? <laughs> because you like... No, well, really, I, I... You're genuinely interested. I'm genuinely interested of, like, where he got this idea. Again, okay, that a very poorly designed policy. You know, this happened to somebody. Sure. Let's let's go way back, right? When we're talking about whole life policies, yeah. way back. I had a feeling it was whole life. Right. It was whole life. Dave Ramsey probably had a really negative experience. And this kind of was the inception of his journey is that he's went through home foreclosure and bankruptcy two times in his life. Personally. Personally, him himself. So is he because not good with money? He was not good with money. <laughs> Right. And that's what started the Dave Ramsey show is like, oh, you know, like I was so bad with my money and it got me to a bankruptcy twice. Wow. And then so then there was these New York life, whole life agents that are coming around saying, hey, if you have a whole life policy, it's going to solve all your problems. So immediately he had an immediate disdain for insurance companies that were term. Okay. So that's why he aligned with Primerica and A.R. Williams. You know, it was like, oh, you know, like, oh, yeah, uh, Primerica. And then I get make money on mutual funds. And this is the commission. I never have to be bankrupt again. Yeah. And so he started to be a predator on other people who have credit problems, who have debt problems, who have form home foreclosures, yeah. bankruptcies. He started being a predator towards those prey to say, hey, you know, like, you know, stop being so dumb with your money, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you, you like to go out to eat? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you're Starbucks. Right. That's why you're not rich. Yeah. You're just, just buying Starbucks is making you poor. Gosh, there's no way. There's no way. There's and no way. We, I mean, you and I both deal with the IUL uh, more than a whole life. Yes. And I mean, I, I'm pretty sure people follow us on social media because we're very honest about things. Transparent. And transparent. And our clients have seen it. 
when they contribute money to their policy, it's added to the overall death benefit and we can show them and this amount would be projected to be transferred to your heirs. And they're like, wow, my cash value and that original death benefit. Yes. And they're like, oh my God, it's right there in front of me. So that tells me that Dave just is blindly saying, I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't, I, I nope, not true. Yep. Nope. Well, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, agents that are ultimately scamming clients. Yeah. Um, there's two different types of IULs uh, when it comes to death benefit options, right? So mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. level policy yeah. and you have an increasing policy. Yeah. No matter how you cut this, you will always make more money on a level policy. Yeah. Right. The the agent will always yeah, make more money. Agent, the agent will always make more money. This topic policy. is a reason that I went so viral on TikTok. Like in the first couple of years was yeah. me telling people, if you're getting an IUL, you do not want a level policy. And people lost their mind like, oh my God, I didn't know that there was something that I could actually control in this you know, process of buying insurance. And so the amount of people... I swear from my content that went to their regular insurance agent was like, if you, there's a level of death benefit. And I know from that TikTok girl, that that's not good. Like they were, they were geared up with, with a weapon to use because this was not something that people knew. Yeah. And agents were use designing policies in this way, knowing they were going to get a bigger commission, but also knowing if they did the other one, that it would be better for the client and choosing not to do it. Mm-hmm. choosing not to do it and so when you when i went out there people were like the uh, comments were like thank you thank you thank you yeah. so much oh my gosh i have no idea like this is so helpful right. and it's like the easiest fact to throw out about how iuls are supposed to be designed so you know when when we share our clients the iul right mm-hmm. we do show them like hey this is what a max funded level policy is going to look like mm-hmm. this is what a max funded increasing policy is going to look like mm-hmm. now at the very beginning of the level policy you have a higher death benefit yeah. Like a significantly higher death benefit, and basically what you're what you're hedging is like you're, you're hoping that you die sometime before the increasing policy catches up. But always at the end of the day, increasing policies long term will always have more cash accumulation. Yeah, uh, they'll have lower costs of insurance. You have more liquidity in the early liquidity. years. Exactly, more liquidity in the early years for which for your medical middle America people who are the ones that I'm really referring to that needed this information. That's what they need. Yeah is they want to see that their money is not just being swept away. They're needing to use it as somewhat of an emergency fund. And they just like knowing that they are not putting their money somewhere where it's just gone. Yeah. They want to see it. Even if they're not touching it, they're like, I just like knowing it's there. I mean, that's a big deal for people when it comes to funding a permanent product like an IUL. Yeah. So what Dave is probably wrapping his head around is is the level option. Yeah. 100%. Right. The, the level option is that you have a death benefit and it remains level throughout the years until eventually maybe when that accumulated value is high high enough that it would actually start to increase that death benefit in the later, later years. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 30 plus years or maybe 25 plus years. An increasing policy will have typically a smaller death benefit so that way you can max fund the policy while minimizing the costs and the fees, mm-hmm. right? Also minimizing the commission to the agent. Yeah. But the formula for the net death benefit is always going to be the initial face amount mm-hmm. plus whatever is accumulated in that policy year, and that will be your net death benefit. So assuming, let's say you start with a $100,000 policy, you've accumulated uh, $50,000 in your policy and your five, let's just say, then now you have $150,000 of net death benefit. 
the fact that Dave is constantly, and over the years, he said the same exact thing over and over again, saying that, hey, you know, you'll lose all your cash value. It's just not true, Dave. And it's so funny. Dave had a call in, an agent call into his line and yeah, yeah. on YouTube said, you know, Dave, you know, I, I've been following your show. I, I like some of your tips that you provide. However, the fact that you tell people that they lose their cash value is completely wrong. And Dave was like, you know, like he, he just tried to belittle the agent the entire time, right? He was like, he was like, no, no, I, I don't, I don't want to hear it, right? You're lying. Agent's lying. It's like, Dave, I'm happy to show you the illustration. I don't need to see the illustration because I know you're lying. Well, Dave, numbers don't lie. Yeah. Numbers don't lie. And the fact that you are blatantly lying to the mm-hmm. public mm-hmm. and trying to shoot down um, IULs and whole life policies and whatnot is technically slander yeah it is slander and, and it's misleading it's and misleading it's, it's deceptive it's deceptive and he's he's doing people a disservice 100 percent. somebody who claims they're for the people and like the little man he's doing them a disservice in so many different avenues yeah i would be curious to know if dave ramsey has any idea about the high level types of cash value life insurance policies that are out there, right? The ones that like the top 1% and your really wealthy people uh, are using. At this market. Advanced, yes, exactly. Your premium finance, mm. right? Your Kaizen. Ooh. And I ask you because I know you specialize in in these strategies and I, I would love to know if he knows about them, right? Because I would love to know his opinion on on these types of strategies when we're talking about the bank and a life insurance company and a trust. And it's very, a very respectable process and it's very high level. Um, There's a lot of safeguards around the process and the wealthy have been doing this for decades. Decades. And it works. Yeah. Right. And there are people that claim that premium finance and bank finance strategies are incredible things to do if you, of course, have the funds and the capital to be able to do them. Yeah. Um, and you qualify for these for these plans. Do you think that Dave has any idea or he just doesn't want to hear about it? I think he probably has an inkling of what premium finance is. Yeah. Right. But the fact that he just doesn't understand an IUL. Doesn't want to understand. Doesn't want to understand an IUL means that he will never truly understand bank finance and premium financing, right? Uh, which is extremely sad, extremely, yeah. because there are- probably take advantage of premium finance. Probably. And he would be real happy with that decision if he did. Because... He would be extremely happy with that decision, right? But for whatever reason- He's holding himself back. He's holding himself back. He's being his worst enemy. He really needs to listen to us. He needs to we have to over us. half a million. Dave, Dave I'm, I'm happy to have you as my client, brother. <laughs> I mean, that's perfectly fine. I think I think providing that level of generational wealth, uh, wealth transfer and estate planning. Yeah. Right. Because I know that I know you're worth millions, brother. Um, so let's let's minimize that estate <laughs> liability, right? Let's let's do it. Yeah. It has been so fun talking about Dave Ramsey and, and terror insurance with you, Michael. I do just as like a sneak peek and to like and to to give the listeners something that's out there. Will you tell us just like a little bit about what Kaizen is? Yeah, I could do that. So Kaizen is a product. Okay. Um, it's the name of a product. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it really is, it's, it's a level of premium finance, also known as bank finance. Mm-hmm. Basically, what it is is that you as the insured still has to get approved by the insurance carrier. Right. Okay. And you do have to meet certain requirements, financial requirements 
to get into one of these plants. Okay. And the reason why is because you're having a preferred lender that's coming in with you as a partner to fund into a max funded IUL. Okay. With a death benefit op- death benefit option be increasing. Okay. okay. Right. So it's already a max funded policy. It's exactly what we talk about on our show on, on our on our show, on our podcast. Oh, is this on, your show now? On on uh, <laughs> on on, uh, on our social media. So it's it's already a max fund policy. Yeah. Now what you're doing is that hey, if you're only able to contribute, let's say fifty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. but you have another person, another party that's coming in and contributing another fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. That means a hundred thousand dollars a year is going into this policy, only fifty thousand dollars from yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're leveraging something called OPM. Other people's money. Other people's money. And so now you're leveraging another person's capital because you don't want to fork over all your capital. Okay. And you're getting the growth on that $100,000 a year while paying interest on you know the money that you're being lent. Mm-hmm. You're paying the interest, but then at the end of the process, after the, um, the 15 years of accumulation, the lender takes all their money out, plus interest. Okay. Generally around 15 years. Uh, it can be a little flexible. Okay. And what's left is that you still have this massive accumulation value. This AV value is amazing. Which is the account value. Right, which is the account value. And that account value is going to be your interest baseline mm-hmm. for all the market crediting that you're going to get. It's going to be on that total amount. Yes. Not subtracting that the money paid back. Correct. Okay. Exactly. And that's the beauty of this. Yeah. That's like infinite banking, right? The the cost of infinite banking, being able to still grow all this money in this policy, even though that you only have this much cash value, that cash value is going to be growing based on that, that huge accumulated value over here. And it's going to continue to grow that cash value over and over again for your supplemental retirement income that's tax-free. And you have a great, great estate planning tool if you want to utilize it for that purpose. So, I mean, imagine you're, you're just getting so much more money into this policy yeah. and you still have the 0% floor. So there's a there's an opportunity cost there, right? Of like, if I could contribute the 100 grand, but instead I only contribute 50 and somebody else matches me, I can go use that other 50 grand to do something else. Exactly. Right? Which is very um, enticing to, to people that have that kind of capital, um, one. And then that 100 grand is earning a lot more than the 50,000 right. um, that we would have just put into a basic IUL. You do have to give up the liquidity, it sounds like, yes. which when you're talking about a hundred grand going into a policy for 10 years in a row, and you're only forking up a small portion of it in the first five years, the payoff is worth the wait. Yeah. I have a question. Can can anybody take advantage of it? You mentioned income limits. Is it like massive income limits? You know, like is the average person like the- no way? I would say, I mean, it depends. It's all relative. It yeah. It's all relative. But however, a good rule of thumb is uh, you should, your household income should be at least $100,000 a year. Okay. It's reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Especially out here in California. Especially in California, yeah. Texas, Virginia, New York. Florida. Flo- parts of Florida. Well, parts of Florida. Florida. <laughs> Florida. Florida is very cheap. Is Florida very cheap? Very, very cheap. But um, basically. Miami. Miami. There okay. we go. Okay. Miami. Let's go sometime. So, a hundred thousand dollars it should be your um your minimum requirement. Okay. But here's something really cool: is that let's just say you are you've been bad with your credit, you've been bad with credit, you've been bad with you know paying back loans or whatever. Yeah. Uh, your mortgage, your your car payments, or your credit card. Let's say your credit's shot. Okay. That doesn't matter. Oh. 
You don't have to get a, it's not a personal loan to you. There's no personal loan to you. You can still take advantage of it. Is that a good thing to advertise? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. And so you don't, you're not at risk of going bankrupt. Okay. Because there's not, it's not a personal loan to you. Oh, because, you're saying you're not at risk at going bankrupt. Correct. Meaning you can't get yourself into like another hole. Correct. Right. But you shouldn't, you have gotten yourself out of this hole before you're getting, you know, 20 to 50 grand to another. Potentially. Yeah. Right. But I mean, what is, what is credit really for at the end of the day? It's to requalify for loans and, and these kind of things. No, if you don't really need another home, if you don't need another loan, 500 credit score, that's probably fine. That's perfectly fine. Oh, I mean... Yeah, good people that are that are really with their money and have a lot of have a lot of assets might have a shit credit score. But so the traditional realm of premium finance is actually pretty complicated. Yeah, you can actually go to a bank and say, "Hey, bank, would you like to fund into this IUA with me?" Um, So basically, you're getting a personal credit loan. Got it. With the bank, premium finance is. Is different. It's, it's a little different. Yeah. Right. So you're you're need you're now needing to um have the credit to get this loan, right? And you fund that into your IUL, but then you need to pay back that loan to the bank, mm-hmm. right? And so it's 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 a little bit more complicated to go the traditional premium financing route. There's a bit more risk on you. There's there's a lot more risk on you because sure. what happens if you know the bank's interest rates skyrocket all of a sudden? You can't pay back the money. That's a huge ding on your credit. Huge yeah. ding. Okay. Okay. So now, instead of you know completely wiping out that process, your credit is not attached to your kaizen at all. Okay. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. No, that's a track. It it, it, sure. it it kind of mitigates more risk, which is what you're you aim to do for people. Risk mitigation all risk day long. All day long. All day long. Anything else you want to add about kaizen? I mean, there's a there's a minimum I would think to yeah to be able to do kaizen twenty yeah usually the minimums around twenty to thirty thousand dollars okay. a year depending on your age of course okay but that's only for five years of contributions five years of so contributions. if you are currently maxing out your four hundred one k paying ridiculous fees mm-hmm. that you don't know about yeah um, Tony Robbins talks about that all all the time yes, he does. talking about it some other time but. If you're already contributing, if like you're already contributing, just redirect thousand. that money over to a kaizen just for five years. Yeah, just for right? five years, and let it run. Yeah, right. You're going to get significant more opportunity for growth while still having downside and tech- tax advantages. And tax advantages. Yeah, it's incredible. Anything else you want to add about kaizen? I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking about. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. No problem. It, it, it's not our show yet. It's still, it's still the You're an Asset podcast where Casey Dahl is your host. Um, Michael, it has been a pleasure it's been a- having you on the show. Thank you so much for your wisdom. I, I will tell you that I absolutely 150% you're an asset to your clients, to the people around you, to me, to your company, um, and anybody who knows you, I, I'm, I'm sure, would agree with me on that one. And I... Would put I would probably put some money that the listeners are going to think that you're an asset. We'll let the listeners. We'll let them decide. Yeah. You guys decide. But Dave Ramsey, um, if you ever hear this, you are the ass of today's show. <laughs> I'm sorry, my friend. Um, and buy term invest the rest. Nah, nah, nah. It gets a thumbs down for me. It's an ass of a strategy. If I don't say so myself. But 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 Dave, you know, if you are listening to the show, you know, please, you know, uh, reach out, reach out, and and we'll we'll introduce you to the kaizen and premium finance. No problem. Yeah, come on, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. 
Before we get out of here, Michael, where can people find you on social media and how can they get in touch with you? So like yourself, I'm uh, also on TikTok at MM Wealth Associates. Uh, I have about 75,000 followers, which is not as much as your hundred some thousand followers. But on Instagram? On Instagram, I have a lot more followers, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but where can people find you? What's your handle? Um, Instagram handles the same. It's MM Wealth Associates. Okay. At MM Wealth Associates. Amen. Absolutely. Amazing. And can people can people email you? What's your preferred method of contact? Preferred method of contact is just go through my Instagram. Um, okay. There's a link in bio on my Instagram as well. So you can send me a DM. I'll check my DMs maybe once a week. So just bear with me. And as I go through the hundreds of messages I get. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Michael, being on the show. This has been the You're an Asset podcast, where we find out who's an asset in the financial industry and who's just an ass. Stay tuned for next week's episode and we'll see you then. Bye. The You're an Asset podcast is not giving financial advice. We are not licensed financial advisors, and our licensing is strictly in insurance products. The information that we talk about is specific to the products that we work with. We cannot guarantee that other agents will have the same product features that we discuss on the show.